Now, what were they saying in this song? They're, they're kind of, it's really, it's funny when you like hear it in Greek, you're like, this song is probably so crazy deep. And it's really just about a musician who like saw a girl in a crowd and he was like, you're really hot. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just still, it's just horny, like all music. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, you know, I want to see you again. I'll never. It's like basically like the James Blunt. You're beautiful. Like, oh my god! Saw your face <laughs> in a crowded place. Yeah, I don't know. And then like the backing track just sounds so like. It's I don't very. Know how to describe it? It's very Tim Burtony. Very as, Tim Burtony. Described it. It's very like. Uh, yeah. Greek music is strange like that. A lot of weird time signatures. It's very like sounds like Jewish music too. It does, you know, and and, and uh, like the very Hasidic yeah. beats, <laughs> the Hasidic beats. <laughs> DJ Hasid. Um, oh, live from the studio. I'm Jimmy Seleski. I'm Eric Glazer, and uh, that was a Greek song that we're gonna have to cut out most of because we spent. It's the unintelligible. First... Yeah, <laughs> it is unintelligible. But also, we spent the first three quarters of that song gossiping yeah. <laughs> gossiping this, uh, this is the gossip girls podcast starring yeah. jimmy and eric <laughs> i thought i might you know open up with that song because my cousin uh jessica got married this weekend the first of my cousins i was gonna say the first of my all my cousins to get married but like definitely like not the first of my, all my cousins certainly not the first to have ki- children but on my greek side which is just me my brother and my two cousins mm-hmm. she's the first one to get married and it was a very greek wedding and like you said like how the music sounds very like jewish and middle eastern like mm-hmm. there are times when like if you go to like a greek thing it really does like i it was actually believe it or not my first time being at a greek wedding Interesting. I had never. I've been to obviously Greek church. You've my never whole life. been to a big fat wedding before. I've never been to a big fat wedding. I've been know. to big fat weddings. Just <laughs> <laughs> never big fat Greek weddings. But uh, dude, yeah, there's a lot of things that like um, I like it. But first of all, the ceremony is way longer. It's like mm-hmm. a. It's a no exaggeration of forty five. You said that, that like it's a good thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's don't it's, you hate how short weddings have been getting? This one's nice and long. Nice and long. You have no idea what's In a happening. Church. Ooh. <laughs> it's cool from the um from the the bride and groom perspective because you don't have to do anything. Like okay. the priest is doing all the shit. You stand there and like you have like the kubati, which are like the sponsors of the wedding. We don't have an equivalent of that. My mom and dad were the kubati of the, um them. And then they have like, you know, your bridesmaids, your groomsmen or whatever, your best man and stuff. Mm-hmm. But mostly you just stand there you and then- the goat boy. <laughs> the goat boy. He brings goat to the wedding. <laughs> and then you don't do any of the I do shit. You don't do any of the say your vows. Like- mm-hmm. You have like the two like headband crowns that like put on your head and like you walk around a fucking altar three times and like the fuck? they like do a big cross around both of your bodies to like signify the unit. It's very Are you sure you aren't Mormon? Dude, it's dude, it's <laughs> very different. It's very different and I like it more. And at the end the priest explained he was like, Look, a lot of you guys, this is probably your first Greek wedding. You may have noticed that we do things a lot different than the Greek Orthodox Church. <laughs> we don't say I do because if you're standing here, 
it would be a weird time to it's a weird time to decide I do or I don't like you've already made that decision by standing here so this is about getting married in the eyes of God this Mm -hmm. isn't about you making that promise to your partner this is about you making that promise to God and I was like that's pretty dope and every single thing I've experienced from weddings because I'm gonna be honest um in college we were told that college parties you know you see these movies and like you have this image of what a college party is going to be like, and it never is actually like that, at least yeah, in our experience. For sure. Movies also have this thing of making like wedding days and weddings out to be this like crazy monumental kind of in high school, how they do with prom. Mm-hmm. Like every high school movie is like circulating about around like the big dance, like the prom. Yeah, homecoming and then it's, prom. Yeah, yeah, it's like this legendary night. And then you have prom and you're like, or in your case, you, did you go to prom? No, I didn't go to prom. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. You didn't miss much. You didn't miss yeah, much. Yeah, no. I like lost to like adult special needs people on the basketball court on prom. <laughs> Me, Dan, and Henry got fucking smashed by... Yeah, not only did you not go to prom, but you lost the basketball games during prom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Went to go play pickup basketball and just lost. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, so I went to prom and it was... It was dumb. And then I went to college parties and most of those were kind of dumb. And the truth about adulthood is most weddings kind of suck. It's the thing they don't tell you. Weddings low-key suck. Now, my cousin's wedding, Dan and Marissa's wedding. Dan and Marissa's was fun. Assorted both other, of them. Yeah, both, both of their weddings, their weddings were great. Are great. Yeah. Um, assorted weddings have been fun, but for the most part, they're kind of tacky. Mm-hmm. They're kind of lame. Yeah. And what I've whittled it down to is um, there are certain things. I don't know if we've talked about this before. Sue me if we have. I don't believe we have, though. There's certain, don't sue us. Yeah, please don't sue us. <laughs> there are certain things... Um, that should not be, I think, like, there shouldn't be, like, new takes on it. Like, a wedding is a holy thing, you mm-hmm. know? It's a religious thing, I guess, at its at its core. And whenever people try to, like, modernize a wedding by, like, walking down the aisle to, like, a fucking Ed Sheeran song or something, and then, yeah. like, have, like, a choreographed thing, it always comes off as cheesy to me it's never it never feels right it always has that kind of like youth group like uh young life like cool pastor playing acoustic guitar vibe it's like this isn't what i want to see yeah like when i went to that greek wedding on saturday it was very much like chanting in a language i didn't don't really understand and like seeing a bunch of all this stuff that like when they do it and they put the rings on it like Mm -hmm. you're like dude yeah, they, they are married. The sacrifice. Yeah, well, pretty yeah. dude. They they all but did that. <laughs> like it it feels real. Like in the forty five minutes of it, kind of like it almost makes you feel like, dude, I can't get divorced now. I just made everyone sit through that. Like it's like binding. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like that's what like religious weddings kind of are at the end of the day. Is like you're making this vow in front of everyone you know so mm-hmm. that you can't break this mm-hmm. vow because you'll be embarrassed it'll be very embarrassing <laughs> you're gonna embarrass yourself in front of all these people yeah you're basically forcing peer pressure on yourself yeah. to stay married which i look again it just i i've been very nervous whenever i think about what my wedding is going to be like and after seeing that I was like, dude, I can totally do that. I can totally stand there for 45 minutes while all my friends are like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And then we walk around the altar. We do the cross. They put the rings on. They fucking do the thing. And we're out. And we're out. And you're like, that was, that took a while, you know? Mm -hmm. So I dug it. I dug it. And it was, uh, you know, I uh, opened up this podcast with this song because my cousin asked me to 
play that at the wedding uh, mm. as a tribute to my late grandfather, which he that was like his favorite song, and he wanted that song played at the wedding just by like a DJ. And then he died. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, what if I did it worse? <laughs> <laughs> and now he can't stop me. And I played it, and um, I feel like every year I have something in connection with a wedding. And usually I have to do something like performance wise at it, mm-hmm. you know, which I'm not complaining about. But I do get unnecessarily stressed when it comes to things that have to do with people's weddings. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, it's very stressful. That's why, like, you know, I would never want to do wedding photography or videography because it's like the person who wants you to do it has a very specific thing in their mind of what they want. And it's like, you can't have them walk down the aisle a second time if you fuck it up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's no oops. Like, there's no oops. There's no, all right, take two. Yeah. It's like you just got to get every special moment they want. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, they'll probably never talk to you again. Yeah, it's it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. And like, you know, like I when I was younger, I would just kind of charge if somebody asked me to like play at their wedding, not our friends, but like mm-hmm. if it was like a person who was like a friend of a friend or something. Um, it's always hard to make that line of who you charge and who you don't. It's like, yeah. you know, but uh you know, if I, mean, I was you definitely got a charge. Yeah, you got a charge, but, but like obviously I didn't charge for like Dana Marissa's yeah, thing. Exactly. Or my cousin. Yeah. My cousin Jess. I'm like, yeah, that'll be five hundred dollars. <laughs> 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 but like, you know, it's just it's just not and, and the thing is it's it's like this low level stress because they'll let me know about it like four months ahead of time. And then for mm-hmm. four months, whenever I have a free moment to myself, I'm like Yeah, it's all you can think you're about. You're gonna blow it. Yeah. And then as soon as it's over, you're just like, Oh my god. I've been stressed for four months straight. <laughs> that was a that was a stress mustache. It was, Little dude. Little did we know. Yeah, I did decide. By the, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, I did decide to shave and get a haircut for the wedding, and I forgot uh, that I wasn't 38 years old. Dude, <laughs> the mustache and the haircut. I, I usually I have this realization when I get a haircut. Mm-hmm. Whenever I get a haircut, I always before I get a haircut, I think I need to lose a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. And then I get a haircut and I'm like, oh, I can probably stand to lose a couple pounds. <laughs> but I thought I was like 30 pounds overweight just because my hair was too long. Yeah. The mustache, too. I was thinking, I was like, dude, you have aged astronomically somehow in the past three months. What is? <laughs> what have you been doing? What happened to you? <laughs> and then I shaved and I was like, oh, yeah. Hey, it was just that. I just look like a regular guy now. It was, it was weird. Like, I tried to make it last, dude, but like. I, it took some time to get used to, and once I was used to it, uh, I would forget I had it, and then people would still comment on it and be like, nice stash. I'm like, what? Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot. Mm-hmm. But like, still, I did not see one singular picture of myself through that whole two-month period that I felt like I liked. Yeah. You know, it just didn't, it just didn't feel like me, you know? That's why you got to get rid of it. That's why I got to get rid of it. <laughs> no, I think, well, you you have like a full ensemble going on right now, dude. Yeah, I got I got the, the crust beard going on. You shaved the cheeks down? I did shave the cheeks down because I, I went to like one of Liz's shows at the improv mm-hmm. and like she was like, oh yeah, like, you know, the, the headliner and the feature, they're excited to meet you, da, 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 da. I'm like, oh my God, I can't show up. Mm-hmm. Just have these people think she's dating a fucking trash goblin <laughs> so i had to like shave my mole hair and like all the weird scraggly ones mm-hmm. that just grow randomly on my cheek and mm-hmm. yeah definitely had to make it more presentable 
You have to like shave up the neck beard to make it just look like a beard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Line the jawline. Exactly. Yeah, but I decided like I was going to do that just because I wanted to look like myself for the wedding. Mm-hmm. And that day I found myself not because of the performance. I thought a lot of it was because of the performance, but I was actually nervous for the ceremony. And I realized the reason I was nervous for the ceremony was like, uh, this is the closest person that I've like, this is a family member that we like grew up together our whole life. That's getting married. That's like my age. And it really felt like, you know, when you look back through your old photo albums and like you see pictures of like your parents or your grandparents on their wedding day. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was like, holy shit, like we're in that moment now. Like, yeah. this is that time we're oh, those that's, people. That's trippy. It's a heavy, it was a heavy realization I had all day. It almost felt like uh, not real. Yeah, that's fucked up. It was strange. I never, <laughs> it's fucked up, dude. It was that's honestly, honestly fucked up. <laughs> it was fucked up, dude. But uh, no, it was a good time. Uh, we pl- I played the song. Uh, I almost blew it. And I made a joke before I started playing it live saying you're gonna blow it saying i was like and you know before you know i've been nervous like all week talking to my brother like wow would it be crazy if i just blew it and then i started <laughs> playing it and i was blowing it <laughs> oh i was my God. legitimately blowing it. and i was like oh no i had like a loop pedal where i like looped the guitar mm-hmm. but the thing is with greek music it's it's not it's not loopable it's it's almost unloopable because they don't use regular uh like time signatures like a regular mm-hmm. time signature you're like one, two, three, four, one. And you're just like, bing, bong, bing, loop, bing, bong, bing, bing. And then you're just there. Greek music is like this song. I'll count it out. So just so you guys can idea this. It goes, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, one, two, three, four, one. It's like a fucking 19 over four thing and if you and it's like if you mess up one thing which i did yeah. the whole song is off at that oh, point no <laughs> so i had to go back to the guitar play it off run it back and it was just it was it was very scary dude did you get the loop going though i eventually got the loop going okay i eventually got the loop going hell yeah it all worked out but it was it was terrifying dude i mean do you think you would have messed it up so badly if you stole the stash Probably not. That's so true. You were like Samson. You cut your power. I would have been able to hide behind the stash. Cut the sword for your power off. Yeah. We made it. It was in that moment I was having that another thought after I already had my first revolutionary thought of this is that moment mm-hmm. where we are becoming adults. Shortly after that on stage, I had that moment. I was like, this is that moment where you are actually ruining their wedding. <laughs> you cannot like there's like no way out of this like you can't you can't just not play it and be like sorry yeah (laughs) like how do you get out of that you know i was like i have to figure this out the thing is it's such an esoteric type of thing that nobody who knows nobody who the average person wouldn't know if you were fucking up or not but Mm -hmm. internally in my own mind my mind was like like in a cartoon when like in the brain everybody's like dude like all the freaking out yeah the little me's in my brain are like send everything send everything (laughs) i was like dude this is code red right now i don't know what to do and then my loop pedal wouldn't stop because it's a fucking piece of shit so i couldn't get it to stop and so i eventually (laughs) said when i got done the song i was like blah 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 and then just unplug the speaker (laughs) (laughs) plug it back in and be like all right everybody Oh my god, that's honestly kind of sick. <laughs> it was, it was, it was honestly kind of sick. <laughs> yeah, man. 
Good times. I was uh, who was uh, Liv? You said uh, Liz was at the DC Improv mm-hmm. this freaking. Yeah, was she, she was opening to? for Emma Willman. Okay. Um, and there's some, you know, a couple other funny guys on the show, guys and gals. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, no, it was in the main room. It seemed like all the shows were doing well and pretty hot crowds. Mm-hmm. It was a good time. Uh, I wanted to talk about. A couple things. It's been a while. First of all, I feel like we've gone too far into this podcast without addressing the last time we were together. Mm-hmm. We had uh, the wonderful and wondrous, and I'm not even saying this ironically this year, guys. I mean, yeah, no, this real. was this was for real. It was really cool. The a Booth Belt Brunch Bash. It was a great time. It it almost it pretty much canceled out last year. It, it really made, did. It it was it was really cool. Shouts out to Rodos for like actually giving a fuck. Yeah, shouts out to Rodos. They fucking had our shit all over the bar. Mm-hmm. I was looking through my photos, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> like when uh, when I was in DC and like people were on stage, and I was just like, I don't know what to do. I mm-hmm. was just in like the green room with the headliner. I'm like, I'm not gonna try to fucking network right now. So let me just look through my photos on my phone. Yeah, so it looks like I'm doing something. Um. And I saw all the pictures I took that day of like winner of the the booze belt bash bracket, yeah. you know, number one bar twenty twenty three at LFTS podcast, and there's like that plastered all over their bar, like in five different spots. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, damn, that's so cool. Them, it was they had sweet. like neon lights on. Which reminds me, you should send those to me. I totally uh, haven't posted anything about it. Okay, hell yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you know, we got there. You you set up for uh, you know, your band. Mm-hmm. John and Joe came down. You guys played like a little hour set. Mm-hmm. Got the groove going. Got the mood going. They refused to charge us for anything. Yeah, I had to like beg them to give me. Any I like. Amount so I, I bought. Could... I made sure I bought at least like one of the rounds of shots. Yeah, like, yeah the first yeah. round of shots that I ordered, I was like, just put this on this card, charge it right now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'll give you like a fifteen dollar tip. Yeah, yeah. Because I know past this, we're probably. Eating and drinking for free. <laughs> oh yeah, it got to the point where we we're getting so wasted there that I was like, "Dude, we got it." We, yeah, we had to go. We have to go somewhere else. We literally <laughs> had to leave because they just wouldn't charge us for drinks, but kept giving them to us. And then they like they made those like tequila shots, and I don't drink tequila, but like I was like, I gotta drink this. And they were doing doubles, and by doubles they just meant two shots. Yeah, like two shots back to back of tequila. Yeah. All the nephews were just buying us shit. It was like, that was very Greek experience, dude. Very Greek. And then also just like, when we got there, like half the bar was already filled with people. Mm -hmm. Or at least when I got there. You Mm -hmm. were there a little bit before me. But like, half the bar was our people. Half the bar was just people that were there when we got there. Yeah. And then by the time the ceremony came around... Everyone that was there was there for the ceremony. Yeah, was everyone so was so fucking sick. I, I didn't realize. I felt bad that we waited that long because I, I didn't know. realize that they I didn't were there, all those for that. were there for that. I was just like fucking around. We were just drinking and shit. You were like, like hopefully more of our friends show up. <laughs> hopefully anybody came out for this event. Turns out every single person at the bar was like, "Dude, are you guys <laughs> yeah. gonna just fucking announce this or what?" You guys like came. You like played a bunch of songs we don't know, and then you were just like, "All right, let's get wasted." <laughs> <laughs> No, it was really a good time. It was really a good time, dude. Yeah. And when I came back later that night to get my stuff, uh, it was jam packed. So yeah. you know, it. I think for like people that like, especially, it was like, like a brunch yeah. event. Like mm-hmm. we were there early as hell mm-hmm. on a Sunday. Like I'm, I bet that place packs out at night. Yeah, but we were getting. I mean, you were hitting camel crushes, dude. You were in the crush zone, dude. Oh yeah. 
I, I was I, I don't even remember why, but there's like a picture of me like on the floor at the horse for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot what the bit was for that. Yeah, I got I had no idea. I like we got to the horse and I was like, ooh, I wanna go to Soundgarden. Yeah. And I like bought a record and then came back and pretty much immediately called an Uber because I was like, I'm fucked up. Mm-hmm. I need to get home. And the fucking when when all I do is wind came on, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean the it was electric. It was electric. It was electric. Perfectly. No, cute. no, we're electric. The LFTS bombs. Oh, they those were, were electric. Good as shit. <laughs> those were good as fuck. <laughs> I couldn't stop drinking. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they switched the formula halfway through the night, and I'm yeah. like, you know what? This one's good too. Yeah, these are all good. That <laughs> <laughs> nah, was really fun, dude. Um, yeah, shouts out to Rodos. Shouts out. We gave the the big check away. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I got I I I commissioned. Uh, the mistake I made was commissioning our also drunk friends to be the photographers for the night. So like yeah. every picture I got was like, sorry, but it was like the worst picture ever. <laughs> it was, <laughs> these are unusable. <laughs> I can't post any of these. I had to like hit up Rodos cause I know they had somebody there with like a nice camera. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, they were like, yeah, we'll send them. And they emailed me the other day. Like we're sending them out. Still haven't gotten them, but like yeah, whatever. whatever, who cares? They made a post. doesn't matter. Yeah. Fuck it. But that was, that was, that was our bad. We got a little topsy turvy and forgot why we were there. <laughs> Which yeah. means it's a good we event. kind of were just like mm, no one's showing up huh and then I'm, we got too drunk and then everyone showed up <laughs> yeah everyone was actually already there the classic switcheroo <laughs> but um yes i uh also if you're another bar in the area uh you're probably wondering because i told you that i would give you guys plaques and like little things for your like final four placement and i still haven't given those out at all I'm only really pressed about the ones from this year because it's not like the ones from two years ago or like... Yeah, they're not getting a plaque. Yeah, like two years was fine. They're like, it's been two years and two weeks now, dude. This is too long. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I am I'm got them for all of them, you know, but uh, I still got to like etch out a day when I just drive around Maryland handing mm-hmm. them out. Um, but speaking of bars and tipping, I watched an interesting uh, kind of little documentary on the... Uh, tipping craze that has been going on recently in the country obviously there's a lot of like viral videos about like you know people yeah, like what turn does that them, mean you know like when people you go to the thing and like all those memes about like when you just like go to a cash register and they like ring you up for something and turn around in a tip and yeah. talking about how like how much that is like exploded in the past uh three years which i think um it, it happened kind of so gradually that we didn't notice uh, but it really kind of popped off in 2020 with the COVID thing. Mm. And I look. Well, also, it's just like that's like the new like POS system, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like point of sale system. So like and now everyone has that whatever the fuck it is, swipe or whatever the square. Square. Shit. Yeah. yeah. And really, that's just like built into it. I feel like it's just built into the system. So everyone just, you know, well, why disable that? Yeah. Why disable it? But um there was some good point. And look, I've gone on record every time I talk anything that has to do with restaurants. I always mention I did serve. Thank you for my service. Mm-hmm. Uh, bartend, stuff like that for like six years. Multiple different restaurants, not by my own you choice. You were in the shit. I was in the shit. I saw <laughs> some shit. I've been on every side of a tip imaginable, mm-hmm. you know? And I've always been a big advocate for tipping properly. But even I have to say, it's gotten out of hand. 
Oh, yeah. I think it's gotten out of hand. I mean, I just skip for the most part. If I'm like, if I'm going somewhere to place an order and picking it up myself, who am I? I'm tipping myself at that point. Well, exactly. Well, the thing they said, and it was a good point that this guy made, this tipologist. I don't know like how you claim your level of expertise to get like a slot mm. in these documentaries. Tipolier. Yeah, like a tipolier. Like you're fucking swirling around a 20% tip. He's like, that's vintage. <laughs> it's a vintage 21%. This is a, uh, this is a pre-pandemic tip. Yeah. <laughs> Great legs on this one. Um, <laughs> but he was saying that, you know, when you used to go to a coffee shop or whatever and everything was still the way it used to be, not tipping was an action, was an act of omission rather than, it was a passive act rather than an active act. Meaning that in order to not tip somebody, all you had to do was not put money in the jar. Yeah. Now it is an actual conscious thing that you have to do in front of the person who's yeah. looking at you to say no tip. And there is this weird kind of like, social pressure you feel from them looking at you the people behind you looking mm -hmm. at you as you're ringing up that you feel this extra added pressure to feel like you have to leave a tip in a situation that is not appropriate it's not an expected thing and i think that's that's kind of uh what i'm getting at is like there is this very gray area in american culture because we do have a more tipping based culture than I think pretty much anywhere in the world. Yeah. You know, like in Europe, they, uh, you know, they have the service charges and stuff like that. And even I mean, also, I mean, last year when I was over there, like we still tipped. Mm -hmm. Like people still accept, like, um, not accept, but like expect tips. Yeah. Maybe not as much of a tip, but like, like you're supposed to tip over there. I think well, that gets kind of like misconstrued a lot. Well, the thing is, is like for, okay, so for instance, like in Miami, um, I have a lot of experience down there recently. Uh, and uh, it's normal down there pretty much everywhere you go. That's a, that's a restaurant or bar. It's an automatic 18%. Mm. Automatic. Now in Maryland and most other places that you go to, it, normally they'll only include a gratuity on a check if it's like over a certain amount of people. Yeah. But in Miami, it's you get a beer for yourself at the bar. There's already tip included. And the thing I don't like about that is I always want to tip 20%. Mm -hmm. And so if they put an 18% tip on my check already. Yeah, you can't slide a quarter over and feel good about exactly. it. Exactly. I'm sitting there like <laughs> add extra tip and I'm sitting there adding like a dollar sixty-eight to it to make it 20%. <laughs> and it makes you feel like you're a cheap bastard now. Yeah. So it almost like puts you in a position where it's like I'm trying to leave 20%. But 18% was already factored in for me. So now there's nothing really I can do aside from tip like 30 or 40% to be like a standout customer, which yeah. is kind of, you know, a lot. Of, if you're a person who goes out to bars and stuff, you know, you, you kind of, if you're going to be a person who's frequenting establishments, you kind of do have to put yourself, like establish yourself as like, a, I am going to take care of you. You know, because if you get the reputation of a guy who doesn't tip, it's going to be reflected in how you're served, how you're regarded. You know, you're going to get it. Well, ultimately, people don't realize this, but you wind up if you're if you're a person who goes out a lot and you're a shitty tipper, you probably actually wind up spending more money per drink because the amount of times a bartender will just hook you up. If you've like proven yourself as a good tipper, the amount of times you'll get a check and they didn't they they forgot a couple of drinks off mm -hmm. your check 
Like you, it probably costs the same amount to be a shitty tipper as a good tipper because that money is just going in different directions. You know, yeah. the difference is if you're a shitty tipper, you wind up spending the same amount of money you would have spent as a good tipper, but you get less good service and, uh, you know, you're not as well regarded, you know? So I've never been a big fan of, and also from the server's angle, you know, people always talk about like, you know, why don't we just do it more like in Europe where they're paid like whatever amount per hour and just like any other job. But the reality is, uh, I'm speaking for myself and my experience and pretty much anybody who works at a halfway decent restaurant, they wouldn't want a guaranteed like 15 an hour as opposed to their three an hour plus tips. I mean, if you're working in a restaurant, like a decent restaurant, like cheap, like I, when I say decent, I mean just like a regular, not like a fancy one, but just like melting pot, cheesecake, places that I work, like on a good night or even an average night after tips, you're going to make well above 15 an hour. Yeah. And so the average server would not want a situation where instead of having access to maybe on a good night walking out with three, 350 in cash or something like that, instead walking out and getting a paycheck every two weeks for 15 an hour, you know, but it is with, with now that we're putting tips in everything, it does kind of, I've always tried to like figure out like what is considered a tippable service. Yeah. Like one, it's not even like the good kind of tip. It's all taxed. Yeah. Yeah. That's you true. Can't, you can't like fudge the numbers on a square tip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, should, should we like, are you a dick if you don't tip? your cashier and i i know that that intuitively most people's answer would be no Mm -hmm. however it's very hard to deny that when you're in that situation you do feel like kind of a dick not tipping yeah and i think that's kind of the problem and what they've what they've shown is actually that um uh while the average amount of tips have gone up just because people are tipping more or, or while the overall volume of tips have gone up, meaning that more people are tipping for more things, that actually what they've seen is that in situations that historically people would tip for all across the board, those tips on average have gone down because it's like tipping fatigue. So like it's usually like, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't as much of a thing that when you went to get a coffee, you were tipping. You mm-hmm. weren't tipping for this. You weren't tipping for that. So when you went to a restaurant, you were tipping 20% nothing. But now when you're going about your day and every single thing you're doing, mm-hmm. they're asking. And then the other thing they'll get aggressive with is the suggested amounts. You'll see people with like 18% as, they'll be like, you'll go to places and they'll have like 20, 22, 25 on the thing where they offer 20% as the minimum amount that you can tip. Now, 20% is generally the minimum amount that I tip. Mm. But it is kind of presumptuous when you're, again, if you're working at the cash register to ask for a minimum 20% tip or else you either have to hit no tip or even if you just wanted to throw them a buck for getting your coffee, you have to like go through the extra process of like skirting out of that and custom tipping and stuff. And so what they've shown is that like actually people that are actually relying on tips are actually getting less in tips on average. I don't know if that's true, but I believe it. And even if it's not true, the sentiment of it, because some things are better explained with numbers, but some things are better explained with vibes. And although 
you could maybe make the argument that all these extra tipping, you know, prompts and stuff is doing this, that, the other thing. It's kind of hard to argue that we have definitely blurred the lines even more as to what qualifies as a tippable service. Why is it that waiting on a table is a tippable service, but getting a drink carryout is not? You know, you tip your delivery driver, you tip your Uber driver, you don't mm-hmm. tip your mechanic usually. And people will say like, well, service-based industries, but I've always kind of, it is kind of like a weird thing where there almost is no rhyme or reason to it, which is why I almost feel like my, like, I don't really have a clear-cut opinion on this because it's hard. I feel like the only reason I've been so adamant about tipping your servers and bartenders and delivery guys is because that's an established custom. But now that we're establishing that custom for things beyond that, I'm kind of pushing back against it. You know, mm. you know, I, I I don't know. I just feel like it's 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 got to go. I'm tired of it, dude. I really am tired of it. Yeah, I've been I mean, paying in cash just to avoid it. I um. I don't feel bad about pressing no tip in that scenario, though. Yeah. You don't feel any type of way, though? Because I'll mean, do like, it. If, like, I don't know. It's very situational. Like, if I'm going to pick up my own food, I'm not tipping them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you guys are, like, hurting because of that, then charge more for the food. Yeah. That's my mentality. Yeah. And then I'm already buying the food. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, these people... Although, that being said, I did tip yesterday when I picked up food. Wow. But that's because it was barbecue, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, a place near my house. And I did, like, a big order, so I was like, you know, you guys worked for this. There are situations... Uh, like the other day when I, when I say the other day, I mean like a a month or two. If I'm taking, like, a sub combo up, like a canned soda, half a sub, and fries... Bitch, I'm paying just the lunch special price. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah, paying yeah, yeah. for a tip. I went to a restaurant in Annapolis, which I want to talk about Annapolis a little bit too in a bit. Um, I went to a restaurant in Annapolis a couple weekends ago, and it's not the server's fault because I guess it's just how they do it. But when they like walk around with the actual thing in their hand, mm-hmm. and then they like you give them the card and they like, put it in, and then they hold the thing out at a, re- I'm like, dude, it's like that. I'm sorry, dude. I don't know how to explain why that's wrong. But I, I just feel like it's wrong. I just feel like it takes all... Basically, I guess going back to my original point is... It yeah, like takes, the, the original way of a tip where like they bring you a receipt and a little booklet. You look at it. Oh, okay. Here you go. Here's my card. They bring it back. You write it down. And before they even see how much you left them, you're already out the door. You're out the door. And look... And then it's just like, oh, okay. That person was nice. Or, ooh... That was a terrible tip. And if you're using that as a way, if you're a cheap bastard to kind of like skirt out without tipping while tipping shittily and like evade any, uh, you know, consequences or reaction, then that, okay, that's one thing. But like, that's, you know, that's doing it in the wrong way. Yeah. But I'm not, (laughs) I'm not that type of person. I'm going to tip, I'm going to tip well, but there's just something that seems wrong about it. And I just kind of, I don't know how to get it to stop. But uh, I just think it. I just think it does need to stop, dude. I'm fucking done with it. I'm done with it. Twenty percent. Yeah, twenty percent. It's also like not twenty percent for servers should be the minimum. By the way, yeah, I want to get sure. that out there. I've yeah, always I don't, I don't tip below twenty percent. As far as restaurant theories, I've kind of thought about this a little bit. Um, if you're going out to a bar or restaurant. And these these are kind of like, and we can kind of go over these 
I think, because these are kind of just rules that I've kind of made up by myself that mm-hmm. I, I, I want to get your take on. Um, I used to, if you go out to a restaurant, I tip 20% on the total, mm-hmm. not the subtotal. I know technically you only are supposed to tip 20% on the subtotal, which doesn't include taxes, mm-hmm. but I just, whatever number's at the bottom, I multiply, I do 20% of that. You yeah, know? after tax. After tax. Oh, for I sure. don't go through the subtotal and shit no, like that. No, yeah, I don't do any of that bullshit. So I say 20% on the total, the grand total. I do 20% total on total, and then I just round out the numbers too. I just yeah, I don't yeah, like yeah. putting in like, you know, oh, okay, it's a $5.36 tip plus... 40, whatever, how much it is, it's going to be fifty thirty eight, And it's like, no, yeah, it's exactly. going to do $51. Yeah, I usually round up to the next 10. So if, it, if the tab was like $56, I'll do of 60, so I'll leave them like 12 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, something like that. When you get drinks at a bar, it's, it's not as much for if you're getting like beers and shots, like a repeated, like you're coming back to this person, you're racking mm-hmm. up a tab. There have been times... I don't know if it's right, but my system for that is just a dollar a drink. That used to be my system, too. And I, I've been running with that, and I still sometimes do, because there are times, like, when you get a round of bombs, dude, bombs are so expensive at some places. Like, they'll be, like, 12 15 sometimes $15 for a bomb. You get four bombs, your tab comes out to $60 plus tax. Am I really tipping yeah, 14 not, Am I tipping $14 for four no, bombs? Because then I should have, you should have given me two or three more bombs. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like, so there are times when you kind of have to use your judgment where I think a dollar per drink, no one's ever going to get pissed at you if you get a dollar per drink, if, you, if it's that context. Like if you're going up and getting like 16 shots of tequila, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's a different thing. That's a little different, yeah. But if I'm getting a fucking natty bow or a bud light or some shit like Mm -hmm. a three dollar beer you're getting a 33 percent tip at that point yeah yeah yeah, like you're making out like a bandit yeah it's ridiculous it's ridiculous um that being said i think that's when that evens out to okay now you're getting shots okay so bring some of that percentage from over here Mm -hmm. do it over here yeah yeah now all evens out that being said uh now that we've established 20 percent as the standard tip Mm -hmm. uh I think everyone, you should get one 15% tip per year. Like you have one golden ticket to be able to tip less? Yes. And that should be when you have... Terrible service? Yes. Notably bad service. Mm. And not just... When I define bad service, I'm not talking about like, oh, the food took forever, this, that, the other thing. Mm-hmm. Because a lot, of that time, a lot of the time, it isn't the server's fault. Also... A lot of times it is the server's fault, yeah. you know, and, and you kind of have to work in the industry a little bit or at least be familiar with it to know when that is the case, you know, because I think a lot of people in the service industry tend to overly give the server the benefit of the doubt when there are times when you can see your server just fucking texting in the corner of the fucking restaurant when like there's like 16 things they need to be doing. And when I've worked in restaurants and seen servers doing that, it's like, look, servers aren't flawless human beings either. Like there are times when they're just straight up not doing their job well and it's affecting your experience, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but there are other times when like the kitchen is fucking up, everything's backed up, whatever, you know? But if there's a situation where like it was just a not good experience Mm -hmm. and the server just did not seem to give a fuck at all and was not giving you the time of day, just throwing food on the fucking table, not coming back to check if you need anything, you know? Mm -hmm constantly pressing you like can i get you anything else what are we going like 
I think you should get one a year. If you find yourself in a situation where you're tipping 15% more than once a year, you're doing something wrong. And then, so you get standard 20%, one 15% tip a year. And I think every person gets one stiff per lifetime. Mm. And you really, you really got to use that wisely. I still haven't used mine. Is this all encompassing? For tipping, or is this just for restaurants? This tipping? is just for restaurants or bar. Tipping. Yeah, because you're not stiffing your cashier. Yeah, when you don't tip for them handing you your to-go food yeah, or your true. coffee, that's not stiffing. That's no. just not tipping, and that's the distinction I'm trying to draw. But when you sit in a restaurant, or if you, I'm not even going to bring in the whole Uber shit because mm-hmm. that's I really don't. I tip on Uber, but like. I don't view it as unbelievably terrible as I would if stiffing a server if you stiff your Uber driver. Yeah. You know. But also like yeah, I don't know. It's not saying like you the should tipping do that. is just built into the app too. So it's like I kind of I don't even click the the percentage anymore cuz it's already selected. You just keep going next, 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 next. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just blow through that bitch. The 0% tip has to happen if like I mean, you almost have to be on the verge of like getting in a physical fight. Yeah. With your server. Like, for instance, when I was in Ocean City at Fishtails and they uh, charged my card four fucking times for $300 and, mm. like, it, you know, obviously only one of them went through, but my bank account was sucked down 1500 bucks for, like, the whole weekend, yeah, which was ass. Like, terrible. And, but and it, even, even that wouldn't have set me off other than the fact that the server was, like, being a bitch to us yeah. and acting like we were stupid. She would... Walk over and be like, I need to charge your card. And I'd be like, I think we already saw. She's like, no, trust me, you didn't. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure we did this. And like that kind of attitude where like that, we talked about that last mm-hmm. year when that happened, where like it was that situation where you're like, okay, so not only did you fuck up, but you. Then purposely did it. Yeah. More and more times. Yeah. But you were actively wrong the whole time, mm-hmm. actively refusing to consider that you could possibly be wrong. Yeah. And then fucking me over. That's a situation where I could see like, you know what? Yeah, no Fuck tip. you. Unfortunately, I didn't realize that until after the fact. Still not saying I would have used it because again, you only get one per lifetime. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that was bad enough for me to do it one per lifetime. But moving on in that vein, talking about a thing that I've experienced a lot and I know you've experienced this a lot too, uh, about when people think they know what they're doing but don't. Uh, confident incompetence is what i call it for sure there is no worse combination of traits in a person than someone who doesn't know what they're doing but is absolutely certain that they do yeah not knowing what you're doing is fine as long as you are aware yeah as long as you know that you don't know then you can be worked with people can kind of be like I've been, there have been two, I I was playing at a place, uh, I'm not going to say the place, Mm -hmm. Um, but they just recently installed a system in their uh, bar where you can plug into the wall and go through their house sound as opposed to me having to put up my own speakers. Mm -hmm. And one of the managers there uh, was the guy who set it up. Now, I'm, you know, plugging in for the first time. Mm Mm-hmm. With the same equipment I use every time I play a gig, I'm playing four or five times a week with this mixer every time, plugging into all kinds of different sound systems all over the eastern seaboard. 
And I go to this place and it's just like driving the signal through the fucking roof. Yeah. And they come up like halfway through like, dude, your fucking signal, it's redlining. And I'm thinking, of course, I've always been the type of person that like I always assume uh, in those situations that I'm the one doing something wrong. That's why I've never been a big beeper when I'm driving. Yeah. Because whenever something happens, like I almost get in an accident, my first reaction is like, oh, I must have fucked up. <laughs> I've never been that person who's like so certain in my driving that like as soon as something sh- like shady happens, I'm like, beep, beep, beep. Because I'm like, that could have been my fault. I don't know. Yeah. My main focus is just not getting in an accident, which is another thing I think more people could be like that. Like, it's a, like you only have like a split second to react. And if your split reaction is to beep as opposed to avoid the accident, then maybe that's why there's so many accidents. But this person was adamant that there was something wrong with my mixer. And he's fucking going through and like, I'm, I'm trying, I'm like, I'm trying to ask like, hey, what's like, what's, how's the setup? He's like, we got in the mixer in the back. Now they have a mixer in the back behind a locked door that I can't access. Yeah. Unless he lets me in. And at first I'm thinking like, okay, like, he mind if I take a look at it? And this was the first pushback. He's like, no, trust me, dude. I got everything figured out back there. I, there's something with you. You have like a powered out. And he's saying these things that like sound right. Yeah. But also, again, this is when you kind of got to give yourself, myself credit. I have to give myself credit more in these situations where it's yeah, like. You know a lot about this shit. Yes. Too. And I've never been that type of person to like flex my credentials because honestly, I don't have really any credentials to flex. But even if I did, I'd never be like, well, actually, I have a master's in this, you know, because <laughs> I always figured like, okay, if you know so much, then win the argument. The second you have to like fall back, rest on your laurels for an argument or like appeal to just the fact that you have this credential or whatever, then it's mm-hmm. like, okay, but if you can't explain to me why I'm wrong and why you're right, then it, all that doesn't matter. Yeah. So like, you know, not even considering the fact that like, dude, literally every aspect of my income, whether it's playing gigs or recording people at my studio or editing videos or mixing music or whatever it is mm-hmm. every aspect of every single stream of income i have it's all audio it's related. all audio related <laughs> my entire livelihood is based on the premise that i have some level of command over audio and so when he's running all this shit by me like oh you got to power it out i'm thinking like what does he mean like yeah does he think you have like phantom power out he yeah he asks like do you have phantom power on it I'm like i'm thinking like dude like, the phantom power not, is for inputs uh, yeah, it wouldn't input. affect the <laughs> <laughs> and I, but I'm think again. I'm just thinking like maybe there's something I don't know about my thing. Lo and behold, I go back there. Finally, he lets me in, mm-hmm. and uh, I look at it. the guy's got the fucking gain on his mixing board turned up all the way, mm-hmm. meaning that like I'm thinking like, dude, I'm sending you a line level signal out of my input. Now, for anybody who doesn't understand audio, I'll explain it this way: I'm sending him a signal that is already speaker ready. When you put something into the input of your. Uh, mixing board you have what's called a gain knob and you use that gain knob to to get that level up to what's called line level and then once you have it up to line level then you can kind of adjust the fader from there as to what output you want going out to your speakers or your amplifier i'm already doing all that and then sending him that level then he's, then he's taking he's it, bumping into, it then, up like 12 or 24 decibels exactly <laughs> and then trying to figure out why it's redlining and why the speakers are all sounding like shit and I'm trying to let, I'd be like, dude, like, just turn this down. And he's like, so I like kind of like go behind his back and turn some stuff down. And I'm like, yes, yeah, so I did that. And then I'm like playing. And then all of a sudden, I, I, it sounds good. And then all of a sudden, I hear the sound like go down all the way. He's like, yeah. So basically, um, you know, you were coming in. So I hit the pad, the negative 28 dB pad. He's like, I hit the pad. And then I had nothing. So then I had to like turn up the gain a bunch. And I'm like, okay, so now you 
you press the button that knocks me down negative 30 decibels. Mm-hmm. Then you turn the gain back up to get me back to there. At this point, the fucking signal smashed again. And it's like, he just would not accept. Just, I'm like, just thinking, I'm like, in my mind, I'm just thinking like, dude, he's the kitchen manager. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm not going back there and telling you how to fucking cook a burger. And I don't mean that in like a, well, flipping burger. I mean like this, you're a head chef at a place and I don't purport to know as much about cooking as you. And if somebody was coming into my establishment that was a professional chef, you know, I would maybe if I thought I had something, the grill set up the right way or whatever yeah. in my. I mean, it's like on Kitchen Nightmares when like a chef whose business is failing yells at Gordon Ramsay mm-hmm. because he thinks he knows better than him. Yeah. And what happens is, is again, there's plenty of times when you show up to a bar and they have stuff set up, but they also are aware that like. Yeah, we don't do this for a living. You do. So can you, you know, whatever. And I'll, I'll just be like, yeah, you mind if I take a look? And they're like, yeah, sure. If you got it, because I got to get back to work anyway. If you mm-hmm. can figure it out, that's great. That's the ideal situation. Because then I can look at it and I guarantee you, not saying I'm some like fucking audio guru, but like most of the mistakes that they make are mistakes that like seem would are, are baseline fundamental things mm-hmm. that you wouldn't even have to be or an just expert. like stuff that you've made that mistake on before so mm-hmm. you know okay how i can avoid this this next time exactly so he doesn't grant me that so eventually he's just like yeah man you got to go through your speaker so now i'm annoyed because now i got to go and like set up a whole fucking speaker system now it's like 45 minutes into a three-hour gig and i'm like okay knowing this whole time finally at the end of the night he's already gone out the door i go to the other manager i'm like hey you mind if i just like just test something out because I want to be able to use this next time. Go back there, turn like three knobs, come back out. Sounds fucking great. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, look, I'd recommend leaving it like that because that's the way you want it to go. She was like, okay, whatever. I come back next time, only a week later because I want to pick up a gig. Mm-hmm. They had put everything back. And then I asked the other manager, I was like, hey, you mind if I go back there and just pump? He was like, yeah, dude, apparently he was saying you had everything all messed up back oh there. And I was God. like, he was like, so I don't even know if I can really like, I was like, dude, just between me and you. Just let me back there. I'm going to mess with the knobs. And then when I leave, I will put them exactly the way back. He, they'll never fucking know. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, go back there. No problem. Sounds great the whole fucking time. And only after the fact does he go, uh, the cool manager. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, dude, the problem is, is like uh, the guy who runs the audio thing, he like, he thinks he knows everything and he doesn't want to hear anything from anybody else. So it's kind of like, this is kind of like, you just got to come to one of us and we'll let you in and do it. And I was like, I don't want to say anything, but that is exactly what I gathered. Yeah. And I guess what I'm getting at is like, there's so many examples of that in life. Like Liv had a situation in Locust Point where she wanted to, you know, for the wedding, she wanted to get, I don't know anything about girl hair salon appointments, but Mm -hmm. apparently there's a difference between like a cut and a style. So if you just go in and get a cut, that's one appointment. And if you want it styled, that's a separate appointment. And if you want to get a cut and a style, that's like two appointments. Yeah. So she calls up and she's like, hey, I want a cut and a style. And so the front desk lady's just like, yeah, cut and a style. And she's like, yeah, but like, I just want to make sure like I want it cut, but then I also want like a style. It's like, yeah, cut and style, cut and style. Like kind of shutting her down, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, she comes in for the appointment. She gets the cut. And she's like, okay, so, and the, and the, uh, the stylist is like, oh, honey, I don't have time for that. And she's like, well, I thought, like I said, it was like, oh, well, we only had you in the system for just like a cut. And so she didn't even wind up getting to have her like her hair done the way she wanted it done for the wedding. Yeah. And I was like, that's another example because you're trying to like, you don't, you don't want to, um, you don't want to offend the person mm-hmm. who's doing their job by implying that they don't know how to do their job. Yeah. But a lot of times they don't know what they're doing. Oh, yeah. 
Listen, coming from a guy who has to be very picky about how he orders his food, I know too well how this uh, this rabbit hole goes. Mm-hmm. Every time I order a hamburger, they're like, okay, so what kind of cheese do you want on it? Mm-hmm. It's like, bitch, I said a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> That's another great example is... Uh, People think they know what you want. Yeah. And no one knows what you want more than you. Exactly. But you, knowing that, knowing that you know what you want, and you are a pickier eater than I am. Yeah. I'll eat cheese. If there's no cheese, I'll be a little pee, but I'll eat it. You know, Mm -hmm. I've had things without, I mean, whiskey with no cheese right now. I don't mind. There's plenty of things I'll eat without cheese. It's fine. You know? But, hold on a second. I completely lost track of what I was saying. One second, one second. Oh. You, Liv will do this thing where she wants butter on the side, right, mm-hmm. with her bagel. And she'll just go in, and what she means is, I don't want butter on it. Mm-hmm. I want butter on the side. Yeah, I want to put my own butter yeah. on it. Now, I don't know why she does that, because me being a non-pickier, I'm like, just fucking tell them to put fucking butter on it. It's easiest, less work for you. But she likes, like, the cold butter, not yet melt, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be that picky, you cannot assume that... The person that you're talking to across the counter at Dunkin' Donuts, when you say butter on the side, isn't just going to think, yeah, I'll put butter on the bagel and then toss you some extra packets in the thing. Mm -hmm. You have to go out of your way to say, I don't want any butter on it and I want butter on the side. Now, in a perfect world, when you say, let me get something on the side, that implies you don't want it on it, you want it on the side. Mm -hmm. But We don't live in a perfect world. And every fucking time, I would say literally, I would say about three out of five times, Mm -hmm. They put butter on the frig, and she's pissed off every time. Oh, I got a, like, a lunch order the other day. Yeah, get this. So it was a it was a bento box that so had an entree, fried rice, and a side salad. And I don't like the dressing on the side salad. So in my comments for the order, I said no dressing for salad, and then sub with white rice for the fried rice. Okay. 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 <laughs> so so they gave me. White rice and fried rice, no salad. <laughs> That's right. Don't give me salad dressing and sub the salad for white rice is how they read it. Okay. I can almost see how that I can is. see how that could have gone wrong. I thought you were gonna say a, a salad like a side instead of putting the salad on the side, they just put the salad in your in a sub. <laughs> And they gave me, they gave me a cold cut with just the salad in it. <laughs> the issue is there that so much of life is people, and this is as you get older, you realize. And we talked about this, I'm sure, because this is my favorite things to talk about: is people not knowing what the fuck they're doing. Acknowledging also, there's plenty of times that I don't know what the fuck I'm doing too. Mm-hmm. But so much of your life is going to be left in the hands of people who don't know what the fuck they're doing and it affects you and 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 you it oh, puts yeah. you in this position my where you- my home insurance and my auto insurance when i when we set up home insurance for the new house they spelled my name wrong so then we had to go through a whole rigmarole for like two hour phone call to get my name fixed in the system get all the information updated mm-hmm. and then about a month later we we're like okay let me add like my whatever my old insurance is ending let me get on this so we can bundle it all and save some money Mm -hmm. they put me in under the wrong name again even though i have an account already for the home insurance with the right name that i spent two hours fixing the first time then i had to call them again to be like hey 
is it like is this even gonna work yeah like for yeah. auto insurance it's not yeah. even the right person i go through like a whole phone call to get them to fix it they're like all right we got it figured out they send me new information they sent me a new insurance card with the wrong name on it again and oh like, my god motherfucker i had to call it thrice <laughs> thrice to fix the name and then the entire time i'm on the phone they're like oh i don't know what was going on with this last call? Like, it's completely wrong. Your old shit's still in the system for some reason. There's two air glazers in here. And it's, it's yeah. It, 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 it's, it's terrible. Ju- Look, it, it's the old adage. If you want something done right, you got to do it yourself. And uh, you can't be afraid. So, yeah, now I work for USAA and <laughs> in their tech support department. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Basically, you do. And look, I have always also been a big proponent of, um, and you've made fun of me in the past for this, and I, I can understand why, but uh, I, the older I get, I can feel the Tony Seleski in me, and when you're a kid, you're like, dad, just chill the fuck out, dude, <laughs> and then when you become an adult, and you're actually dealing with shit that actually matters, all of a sudden, being chill is so much lower on my priority list than oh, you're than, not even thinking about being than chill. getting something done. You know how low, like I, I, I'm, I could, I am easily you're just stressed because you have to do something. You have to That's do the something. Main thing. And I also don't. I also take it as like I told Liv when that thing happened at um at uh the salon. I was like, look, and I couldn't. I sounded exactly like my dad when I said this, and I hate when I'm in the middle of a lecture to like a friend or my girlfriend usually uh where i sound exactly like my dad and i was saying like look you know what because i at the end of her whole story she's pissed off about it and i go i was like well you know what you should do is uh you could leave a review now i understand if you don't want to leave a public review because Mm -hmm. you don't want to like publicly cast shade on the company yeah but at the very least you should send an email privately to management Mm -hmm. and make them aware of the mistake that was made so it doesn't happen again because you said yourself you're going back to this place you you've been here a couple times before you're probably going to get your hair done there again Mm -hmm. and so i literally i was like look you can you can talk about the situation all you want but this is the solution to that situation And if you're not going to do that then not to sound like a dick but i don't want to hear about it anymore because it's like if you're if you if something shitty happens to you and there's a clear cut way to solve it so that it doesn't happen again. Um I mean, that's not a clear cut way to have it never happen again. Not not a clear cut way to never have it happen again, but it is it is it is a way to at least do the best you can do. Like oh, do your sure. due diligence to make sure it doesn't happen again. Like nothing but at the end of the day, it's just it's it's a toss up between human error and thinking you know more than the person sure yeah but here's the issue though is that like this comes down to the whole like chill versus karen thing it's like look there are different levels like if i'm a business owner and i have like 15 employees or whatever um i want to know because you're not you don't have your hands on in every aspect of the business Mm -hmm. and if and if if there's an employee of yours that just is straight up not doing their job properly um I want to know because there's there's could be entire people that have called and made appointments and been, been dissatisfied and left and gone to another business, gone to another salon for the rest of their lives, money that I'll never see again that came and slipped in my fingers and I didn't even know about it. And 
if you, I, I was like, look, you know, a lot of people might look at like emailing the business as like being a Karen or whatever. No, I, you're helping the business. You know, there are ways to go about it where you don't throw the person under the bus. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be like, and this person and name them by name and fucking do the whole thing and try to get them fired. But you should try to find a way to communicate. If you care about this business, the mm-hmm. best thing you can do for that business is to let them know of a mistake that was made because the other thing is, just like we talked about with that fucking douchebag that was fucking with us a couple weeks ago, people don't become people the second you meet them. When you meet somebody and you have an experience with them, don't make the mistake that you're the only person in the world that feels that way about them. Because mm-hmm. if they, because if you've known that person for one fucking hour and that's the impression you got from them, imagine the impression people got from them that knew them for their entire fucking lives or people that spent all college with them or whatever. So if you have a, if you have a mistake made when you enter a business, don't assume that you're the only person who's had that mistake done. Mm-hmm. And so... This thing is probably happening to a bunch of people who are all just like, fuck it, I'll just go somewhere else. In a way, by being the person that emails them and says, hey, I just want to let you know this is what happened. This is how it could be fixed. I'm still planning on coming back. You're the better customer there. Even though we have this thing that you're taught when you're younger, or not that you're taught, but like this kind of want to just like not ruffle any feathers. I'm sorry, dude. I'm, I'm over the not ruffling feathers thing when it comes to that. I saw some fucking kid walk into church with like tennis shoes and shit. And I'm about two years away from just being like, dude, what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you disrespecting this church like that? Ew. You come in here with fucking ripped <laughs> jeans. Right, now, come on, Jimmy. What? This is, you're getting, <laughs> you shaved off the mustache and gained 20 years instead of lost it. What is wrong with that? I said I'm two That's years the away. Dumbest shit I've ever heard. You don't take it as a disrespectful thing when some kid shows up in when you have a funeral and somebody shows up in fucking ripped jeans and dirty shoes and that's dis fucking respectful. That's I mean, disrespectful. Go fucking you don't have a dress shirt, motherfucker. You do. You just didn't think this was important enough. Well, guess what it fucking is. So fucking when you show up to this fucking place, you yeah, can wear your that. Your example was a kid wearing sneakers. <laughs> when I say kid, when I say kid, I mean like a 17-year-old like maybe 18, 19, not like a seven-year-old. Okay. I mean, In talking, my mind, I was picturing an eight-year-old child with fucking light-up sketchers on, and I'm like, are you seriously going to yell at a kid no, for dude. that? No, no, no. Okay, I said kid, but, you know, I'm still in my mustache mode where I call 20-year-olds kids. Okay, okay. Okay, I'm talking about an adolescent. Mm-hmm. An adolescent who knows right from wrong. Late teens. Sh- late teens, early 20s, showing up to church or a wedding or a formal event or a funeral, or anything that would dictate some level of decorum. And showing up uh, dressed down in like a short sleeve shirt or ripped jeans, I'm sorry, uh, it's fucking disrespectful. It's disrespectful to the people that are hosting that event. It shows that, it, it shows it, even if... Yeah, it shows their lack of care. And, but also, yeah, I don't know. But... That's just kind of... The only thing it, it's going to tarnish is their image for everyone else. But it's not going to. I don't think it's going to tarnish the actual event. This is what comes back. Well, this is what comes back to the whole like you know chill versus just getting shit done. Mm-hmm. Just like with that business where somebody's making a mistake over and over again, that business doesn't know that mistake's being done. A lot of kids that they grew up in a household where they were never taught that like hey when there's certain things that you don't show up in tennis shoes and ripped jeans. Mm-hmm. Some people don't have a figure in their lives that tells them that. 
We were lucky enough to have that. Some people don't. Now, I think there are ways to go about letting someone know because a lot of those kids aren't doing it maliciously. They just don't know. And there's no one in their life to tell them. But the issue is, as they progress through life and show up to a job interview like that or show up to another event where somebody is going to make an actual thing about it, they are putting themselves at a disadvantage by going through life and not knowing these simple things about existing in a fucking society. And I feel like in that situation, I can. there's a way to go about it to make someone aware, hey, I'm not trying to be a dick. I don't think you're doing this to be an asshole, but this is a wedding, okay? That's not how you dress at a wedding. And they might actually feel like, oh shit, and they might not make that mistake again. And then maybe instead of showing up to a job interview in ripped jeans, they show up in a dress pants and a shirt and maybe they get that job instead of not getting that job. Maybe you're doing people a favor by being chill, but also letting them fucking know. Why, why is it that in my church, that my family's a part of, in my community, in the Greek culture, when I see a kid who is not conducting himself properly, at what age do I become at a situation where I can not be a dick but say, hey, man, this is how we do things. This is how we do things, you know? And when you don't conduct yourself that way, it reflects poorly on you. And I'm assuming that's not what you want, right? I'm assuming you don't want people to look at you this way, and I'm assuming that you don't know that that's how they're looking at you. So I'm giving you an opportunity right now. I'm tossing some game on you, brother. Yeah. I'm tossing some game. <laughs> this is free game, bro. You sound so chill right now. <laughs> Dude, like it I said, it doesn't sound like you're blowing a fucking gasket. <laughs> I'm done being chill. Chill is dead. You said you're doing it in a chill way. <laughs> That's pretty chill. You're shaking. <laughs> Your hand is shaking right now. <laughs> there are. <laughs> All right, I'm not very chill right now. All I'm trying to say is, in my chillest, <laughs> in my chillest way possible, in my chillest way possible, there is such thing as a right and a wrong. And I take it personally when people do things wrong at the expense of me, which is, or the people around me which is the nexus of this entire topic. This entire topic is about people not knowing what the fuck they're doing and either best case scenario just haven't been made aware of it or worst case scenario really believe they do know what they're doing when they don't. And so what I'm doing is I'm giving people the benefit of the doubt and assuming they're not an asshole for showing up at church or to a wedding dressed like a dick. And that actually they just don't know and that they might be open to being made aware of it. Now, if that, at that point they get defensive and go, who the fuck are you? Then I'll tell them who the fuck I am. And then like, uh, I'm, I'm a guy who goes here. I'm an adult. You're an adult, except only one of us is dressed like one. That's who the fuck I am. So why don't you fucking either take a page out of the fucking notebook and learn something or you can know that I think you're a dick. And now, hey, you think I'm a dick? Now we're just even. Mm. That's pretty chill. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, I get 
Hang so, so you had fun at this wedding this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. Actually, everyone was dressed. Everyone was dressed very well at the wedding. And this was a, a forty-day memorial or Easter too. There was mm-hmm. a couple kids that showed up like that um, Easter. And like I said, I'm not at that point yet because the thing is, at thirty, I'm still in the radius of like a twenty-year-old being like, "Dude, we're you're not my superior. You're like an equal." You know, I'm still yeah. in that radius. But when I get to like 40, 45, where like I'm not even in your sphere of like thing, mm-hmm. I'm like, I am an elder. I All I was saying is, I, I said, I opened this whole thing. I said, I'm still a couple years away from it. But I <laughs> will. Two. two years. Well, a, two a couple. Years. A couple. <laughs> a couple. <laughs> Which is fair. I mean, that very literally, a couple years. I'm a couple mm. years away from it, give or take. You know? Um, but. I, I'm going to be that guy, I think. And you know what? I used to hate that guy. And now I realize, you know who I hate more than that guy? I hate the guy that we were just talking about earlier who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and thinks he does. I hate that guy more. And if that means that I have to be that guy to get that guy to fucking figure it out, I'd rather be that guy. Because there's only two guys you can be. Mm. You can be the guy who fucks everything up for everybody. Well, three things. There's three guys you can be. You can be the guy who fucks everything up. Mm-hmm. You can be the guy who gets fucked over because of that guy. Or you can be the guy who lets the fucking guy know what's up. Those are the three guys. So pick it. Are you a fuck up? Are you the fucky? Or are you the fucker? The fixer. The fixer. I'm That's the it. I'm the fourth guy. What guy are you? I'm the, the guy with fucking salad guy. on his cheesesteak. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who's just chilly eating a side of rice. With, with his, his rice. other side of rice. <laughs> exactly. That's chill. I'm carbo-loading. And uh, I'll, I'll say For one more th- chill I <laughs> I'll say one more thing before we move on. My defense to this, because Liv kind of had the same reaction as you did when I said all this. Yeah. I said, look, in a way, I'm taking all those future years of unchillness that I would, every time I go into this salon and I get fucked up, maybe it's not every time, but maybe every three times I go in, they fuck something up. So that means every three times I get my hair done, I'm pissed off that day for the rest of the day, Mm -hmm. for the rest of my life, because I never wanted to say anything. I never want to ruffle any feathers. I just, I just, every time I I cross my fingers, there's a one in three chance that this is going to piss me off. I'm so chill that I'm going, dude, I don't want to be pissed off every three times I get a haircut for the rest of my life because the cumulative amount of unchillness that I will be experiencing and emitting for the rest of my life if every three times I get a haircut, I'm fucking pissed off for the whole day mm-hmm. versus the amount of unchillness in this one instance if I just fucking buck up and say something and make sure it never happens again. Ultimately, I'm leading a more chill life. Mm. Over time, in this moment, I am much less chill. There are, there, you know, there are key points in your life where you blow up like a volcano. But in between those moments, (laughs) yes, it's very chill, and that's healthy. It's called a healthy level of expression, as opposed to bottling it up. Um, and there are ways to be my favorite word of the day: assertive, not aggressive. But also, not passive, Mm. assertive. That's all it is. Being assertive does not make you not chill. Yeah, but you're being aggressively assertive. (laughs) Theatrically, (laughs) yes. Because you know what would have been less chill 
is if I had a podcast and when I described a situation, I described it like realistically. Because that would be boring. And there's nothing less chill than a boring podcast. Mm. You know? I guess so. So, you know, I'm not going to fucking be like, explain how I did my taxes on the air. You know? Yeah, you're going to explain about how in the future you will yell at a teenager. (laughs) Oh, I will. Oh, I will. (laughs) Oh, I will. (laughs) In church, no less. In church. (laughs) Which is where I feel most... Where uh, most of your anger comes from these days. (laughs) That's a fair statement. I still think there's misplaced, like, anger from that priest. Um... It's yeah. There's a part because of that because also if you if you want to think about it and it comes full circle, is he the one who's not enforcing these roles anymore? Has yeah. society become lawless under this priest's Has, vision? Is well, is he a manifestation of things that look? You hate the things in life most. I hear this saying a lot. I don't know if I completely agree with it. But they usually say the things you have the most contempt for are the things you see in yourself. Mm -hmm. I am a very scatterbrained, disorganized person. Yeah, you were also at church in ripped jeans that day. I made a lot. Well, (laughs) let me put it this way. Let me put it this way. I made a lot of mistakes that people throughout my life, teachers and stuff like that, perceived that there was no possible way this kid could be that fucking like oblivious mm-hmm. that I have to assume he's just trying to be a dick. He's doing it on purpose. He's doing it on purpose. And what helped me was the people that said, dude, what the fuck are you doing? I know you're not a bad kid, but you have to realize that this is not how you do this, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. And so when I see it in other people, it is, I haven't thought about this until right now. I'm having a revelation. At this moment, I get so annoyed when I see other people doing stuff wrong because I've been aware of how often I do stuff wrong and how much it helped when someone made me aware because I don't assume that when someone does something wrong, they're doing it to be an asshole. I get annoyed and then I have to tell myself, dude, never assume malice what could be uh, written off as just uh, just incompetence, you know? Never assume that somebody's doing something maliciously when it could just be that they're stupid. So I always go in with that mentality. I always assume, you know, like if somebody's not doing something right, hey, you know, maybe they would appreciate. If you can see a guy at the gym, I don't do this to girls and stuff because it's a whole day, but like if I see a guy who's like a younger high school kid who's like doing the bench press wrong, he's six, 16 years old, I'm 30, I can walk up to him and be like, hey dude, by the way, you want to do this, you know? And in a nice way. Because mm-hmm. guess what, dude? Now you're going to get jacked. Yeah. And then... And then he could beat you up. So you got to yeah. be nice about it. Exactly. I got to be nice. <laughs> I don't give away my secrets and make an enemy. Give this guy two years and he'll bench me. Yeah, a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's really all I, I, I had to say about that particular thing. I think that, you know, confident incompetence is the bane of our existence. I think that uh, there's a lot of... The, the problem with uh, people in positions of power, if we want to expound this to a, a broader, more relevant topic to people's lives... Um, is uh, in the words of Plato that, uh, you know, in an ideal society, the people who are in positions of power are the people who want it the least. 
mm-hmm. you know, because usually what happens is uh, being s- someone who avidly craves power or a position of power is usually the last person that you'd want in that position of power. Um, but because we have a society that rewards that, we often end up with people in positions of power who crave the power. And this is another thing that like, uh, you know, so many people, I think that so much of, um, even with like, like when people talk about like, you know, income inequality and this, that, the other thing, I can't help but notice that so much of those sentiments seem to be driven more by, uh, less by a love of the poor and more by a contempt for the rich. It seems like most people are more driven and more motivated by the idea that there's someone who's richer than them than the fact that there's someone who's poorer than them. And that's just been my perception of it. Um, I could be wrong there, but that has been my perception of it, meaning that most people who, when they're in a position where they're getting fucked over by someone, they're not angry because they want it to be fair. They're angry because they want to be the guy in that position, fucking someone else over. Maybe not consciously thinking that, Mm -hmm. but when they see like, oh, dude, like my fucking landlord is doing this, it's like, but you'd probably be this, like the same way I put it with when I was talking to the servers at the restaurant when they were all complaining about how the rich don't pay their taxes. And I said to Will, I was like, dude, we don't pay our taxes. We claim that we made, I claim, you claim that you made $30 tonight at the end of the shift. Mm-hmm. I claim that I made 30 or 35. We made like 200. All we did was claim the bare minimum we had to claim to get away with not, you know, as long as we broke minimum wage, because that's the law. You have to break minimum wage or else your restaurant has to pay you the difference. Mm-hmm. So as long as we claim that we made more than, at the time, seven twenty-five an hour, all the rest of that was on tax money. And it's like, we just did that. And we did that, what, to save how much money? Maybe, what are we making? We're, we're 19 years old. We're at Seasons Pizza. We claimed uh, 100 less than we made. Let's say we wind up saving like $500 in taxes at the end of the year. You're lying to save 500? Imagine the people that are lying to save 5 million. And you think suddenly when you get more money and you're saving more money and there's more on the line that you're going to become more honest? If you're this dishonest now... Imagine when you're saving five million. It's like people see it as like two separate things. They see it as like, oh, well, you know, like, yeah, I lie about my, yeah, I fucking, on unemployment, I fucking claim less than I did. But like, come on, if I was there, I wouldn't. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would. You know, but at least I admit that, you know? That's all. That's all. See, now I can, that's something I can get behind. Mm Mm-hmm. No, no yelling at kids in this one. <laughs> like it or not, Eric, you're gonna be yelling at a kid one day, dude. I, Maybe it's gonna be your own kid. I would hate that. I don't think I'm ever gonna have a kid. You don't think so? I don't think so. Hmm. Maybe a dog. I'll yell at a dog. You know, that's something. That's something. <laughs> but, you that's know, something. he can't understand me, so um, a little bit better. Uh, I want to talk about uh, a couple more things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we watched a video before the podcast that neither one of us paid attention to. Nah. Um, and it was, it was also like old information. It was old information. It was old news. But, uh, you know, the problem is when you do a podcast, uh, in this case, 12 days apart, we're, we're going to run across some old news segments, folks. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in the grand scheme of things, this is fairly new news. I mean, this did happen within the past month. Well, this is new news. This but is, I think the guy, when he made the video, this news hadn't even broke Yeah, yet. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the new news is uh, the Oakland Athletics, as of, I think, a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago at this point, signed a deal for a stadium in Vegas, baby. Sin City. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Uh, in 2027, which means that uh, they will be playing. This is what I find the most odd. Is that most teams, I feel like they like move and it's like, boom, you move. Mm-hmm. In this situation, they're saying, yeah, we're moving in four years. That's got to really hurt. Yeah. If you're an Oakland resident, how can you even be a fan at that point? Exactly. I'm trying to put it, and I've always. I, mean, I guess like there is the thing of like, all right, you got four years, start the countdown to go see the A's one last time. It but sucks. You should do that on like the last season. It's like it, it, the 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 pre the whole like uh, background to it. The context of it is this isn't a unique thing for Oakland. They have lost. Three, all three of their major sports teams, at least men's sports. I don't know about women's sports, uh, but not to sound redundant, but major sports. Uh, they have lost all three that they still had in the past five years. Mm-hmm. Golden State uh, used to play in Oakland. Now they play in San Francisco. The Warriors, that is. Splash Brothers, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, all them. Mm-hmm. They, they just lost. Yeah, they just lost. Good. Good yeah. knowledge, dude. Um, they, uh, they, I think they won when they were still in Oakland in 2019 or something like that. I think they were still in Oakland at that time. Maybe. I don't know. Um, uh, the Oakland Raiders moved to Vegas a couple years ago. Uh, and now the Oakland Athletics are also moving to Vegas. And there's been a lot of speculation on um, there, you get a lot of different sizes. I watched a couple videos uh, yesterday when I first heard the news. Also, what a dumb move to bring a baseball team to the desert. Well, apparently Vegas is like this up and coming. Like apparently it's one of the top growing metros in like the whole country. Yeah, like, because they like, don't do income tax in Vegas, I think, or like some sort of thing like that. Mm hmm. But I've always because they needed an incentive for people to move into the literal desert. Yeah, the literal desert. Um, Vegas is like the oasis in the desert. I don't know if you've ever flown over Vegas. It's like crazy. Over, I don't know if I've noticed it. I've definitely flown past it. Mm -hmm. I don't know about over it, but uh, I've never been there. Um, But you know, there's got to be a look. The the thing is, is like when you're the owner of a sports team, like. I'm sure there's got to be something that makes sense money-wise why they're doing this. Mm-hmm. Clearly, especially if well, like two California's teams... sinking into the ocean. Well, that, so that could be something. The maybe, Bay Area. Maybe they becoming... know more than us. Maybe they know like in five years. Yeah, in 2027 when the ice Oakland caps melt. Oakland is going to be underwater. Vegas is going to be the new <laughs> Oakland. Yeah, Vegas is going to be beachfront property. Yeah. Um, it's already sandy, you know. Hey, it's already got the sand. All you need is the water now, baby. Yeah. Um, drill, baby, Drill. Uh, but a lot of people are blaming the owner and saying the owner's a piece of shit and I don't know but I will say I'm always game because especially growing up in Baltimore with the Orioles we don't have the greatest things to say about the Angelos family mm-hmm. um, including myself as a fellow Greek and 
my grandfather used to shine Peter Angelos' shoes back in the day, in the 40s, 50s. Um, so we actually have, you know, some level of connection to them just in the Greek community. Yeah. Was he like five getting his shoes shined? I think my grandfather was like 13 and Angelos was like 18. Okay. Um, he's old. He's old as fuck. Mm. Uh, he's like in his 90s, I think. I think it's mainly run by his sons or grandsons or whatever. Sons, I would say. Um, and there's always been... A, I, I'm sympathetic to it because I've always worried that if the Orioles were to continue sucking for too long, that they'd eventually leave. Mm-hmm. And I would be very heartbroken uh, if that happened. Um, because I do think that... It, I think that having sports teams is like a major foot in the race of being able to say you're a legit major city mm-hmm. like if you're a major city but you don't have any sports teams it's kind of like are you that big of a city yeah. are you a real city though you know like if baltimore were to just not have the ravens and not have the orioles and we were just like baltimore it would be i feel like it would immediately be like okay we are just off the fucking map now mm-hmm. we're just a fucking we're a big small town yeah you know um so the fact that we have those things keeps us like relevant i think Especially being so close to D.C., like, we would just get swallowed up by all that shit. Mm -hmm. Um, So you want to say, like, you know, the the athletics owner is being a piece of shit and, like, just, like, completely betraying the fan base or whatever, which I am all ears for. But at the same time, the Raiders left, too, and so did Golden State. So now we're talking about three teams in the past five years. At a certain point, maybe the common denominator is Oakland. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, maybe nobody wants to talk about that, but and I'm not saying that is the case, but uh, it's certainly a good case for the case. Like one team leaves because they have a shitty owner who completely betrays a city that he could have made it work if he cared, but he didn't. So he just took a bigger check in some other city and completely betrayed the loyalty of a fan base that had been rooting for the athletics for 60 years or whatever. Okay, if that happens once, but if it happens three times in five years... You know, if like they say, if it stinks everywhere you walk, check the bottom of your shoes. Maybe it's Oakland. What's yeah, or Oakland you're doing? In New York. Or you're in New York <laughs> or New Orleans. <laughs> but like so I I I think that um I don't know all the ins and outs of how professional sports work, but I always have thought it was kind of fucked up that these teams are just able to up and leave like that. Mm-hmm. Because you you shouldn't be allowed to put you shouldn't be allowed to call yourself the Baltimore Orioles or the Oakland Athletics. And basically what you're doing is you're you're using the allegiance and loyalty of a metro to make yourself money. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time you're saying, but also we can leave whenever we want. It's like, but like, okay, you're either Baltimore's team or you're either Oakland's team or you're just the athletics and you happen to play in Oakland. But the second you start using the whole city angle to get people to root for your team then i almost feel like you should be kind of required to like not leave Mm -hmm. or something and i know there's like penalties if there's like relocation fines fees if you lose like apparently like if you relocate a team you have to pay like hundreds of millions of dollars in fees but like still a lot of times it's still the more cost effective thing to do as opposed to just continuing to lose money in a market yeah so there there has to be a limit but at the same time like you know when the colts left baltimore colts left in the 70s or early 80s or something like we weren't around for that but i got to imagine that really fucking sucked oh yeah especially 
considering that the Colts was a team that was named, you know, because of Baltimore's horse racing history. Mm-hmm. And so, and then they moved to Indianapolis and kept the name and then also continued to tout our championships and our Super Bowl appearances as their own franchise history in Indy. They have like Johnny Unitas's number and shit. It's like, dude, he didn't, he played for, he played in Baltimore. He was like from here. Yeah. Like you shouldn't be allowed to just take our history too, you know? But like, yeah, I mean, I was at the, uh, I mean, you got a Baltimore Bullet shirt on right now. Mm-hmm. I was at the Capital One Arena. Like a couple of years back, we were shooting a video for the, like we had an interview with the owner and we'd, you know, walked around the arena. They mm. had our Baltimore Bullets championship flags in the the arena. <clears throat> hmm. You could look at that as like an homage. Yeah. And you're like, you know, it's the team's history for sure, but it is kind of touting it. And also I I would say and you know I've never been the guy to be like I have no I have no like loyalty to DC or any type of like connection with him really even though I feel like we probably should. Um but because Baltimore doesn't have a basketball team there's really nowhere else that we could display those championships. Yeah, for uh, sure. And also because DC is still, you know, for better or for worse, pretty much a Maryland place. It's half Maryland, half Virginia metro. We're like a significant portion all the way up to like Annapolis and Anne Arundel County. They're all fucking like Nats and Caps fans and shit. Like (laughs) so much of Maryland is invested in DC that like, it's not as big of a slap in the face for a team to have moved to one from one city in Maryland to another city, an 45 minutes South. That's not technically Maryland, but like, you know, is as much Maryland as you can be without being Maryland Mm -hmm. and have our flags because there's no Baltimore team to fly them in their stadium. With our situation, with the Ravens, it's way different because it's like, dude, not only is Indianapolis completely nothing to do with Baltimore in any way, shape or form, but also we have a stadium and we should have those in our fucking stadium, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's a little bit different, but I feel bad for I, I can't imagine if i was just me but from oakland how i live from the studio oakland version me right now <laughs> you thought this was unchill you thought this was an unchill podcast i might be crying oakland me might be crying <laughs> jimmy Solokski might be fucking crying eric Bazer, bay area yeah bay eric Bazer. <laughs> Bazer was, you know, spot on first thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sad thing, dude. And, and and something needs something needs to be done about the uh the fact that these teams can leave like that, dude. Because they make so much money off of us. They get grants from the city to build their stadiums mm-hmm. and then make money at those stadiums. Stay. And then they just leave when they're done with us? Mm-hmm. That's bullshit, dude. Leaving us used. That is bullshit. Um, should we should we cover this topic? I, I feel like we should. What topic? It's a hack topic. We have to. It's the most recent. Uh, what is it? Injustice of the world. The whole subway choking thing. Should we talk about that? Uh, I don't know too much about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it to be honest. Um. I mean, you know, it's sad whenever someone dies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say, completely unrelated to that, this is something I've been thinking whenever I see a homeless person. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I agree. I don't think that, first of all, I don't think this is going to be like, I can see the media trying to make it a thing, but you can tell when something is a thing and when it's not. And this is definitely not as, as much of a thing as I think that the media would like it to be. You know, there's not really any, there's not really any riots in the street like there were for like George Floyd or anything because people understand there's a difference. Um, so it's not worth wasting the time of day to discuss the particulars because it's a shitty situation, but I don't think it's emblematic of anything bigger than just something that happened that was unfortunate and ultimately probably avoidable. Uh, but what I was going to get at was yeah, I mean, the broader... Like the government cut all mental health facility funding. That's what I was going to get homeless to. people out on the street. That was what I was going well, to get to. Well, not homeless people. They had a home. They were mm. they became homeless from the they government. They put homeful people on the street yeah. and took the fool out of their name. That's exactly what I wanted to get to, and I'm glad you said it. Why do we not have fucking... Uh, I'm like, okay. If we're being honest about homelessness, mm-hmm. the vast majority of homeless people and I understand this isn't the case for all people, but this is really important. We have to talk about the word disproportionate. Learn it. Love it. It's a great word. Because just like we talk about, hey, human beings have 10 fingers. If you find me a guy that has 11 fingers, that does not disprove my generalization or the general truth that is human beings have 10 fingers. Mm-hmm. Right? So you, it's called arguing the specific to the general. In any situation, (laughs) it's called by me arguing. It's called arguing the specific to the general. If somebody presents you a generalized observation that is statistically empirically provable, that represents the vast majority and the norm of any specific thing you're talking about, you being able to anecdotally cite, uh, something that doesn't fit that generalization does not disprove the generalization. All you're doing is proving that just like within any statistical set or system of any type, there's what we call outliers. An outlier is is a thing that exists, but it's an outlier because it exists outside of what is considered the norm. When you look at homelessness, I think it's a fair statement to say that the vast majority, and this could be changing now with inflation and stuff like that, but over the course of my life, I've noticed that the vast majority of homeless people are either suffering from some form of mental illness or addiction, Mm -hmm. which if you classify addiction as a disease, then you could really kind of put that all under one umbrella and just say that if you classify it as a disease or a physical or mental type of ailment or illness or impediment, then really you could say that the vast majority of homelessness is caused by some form of like, you know, that type of like mental disease or physical impediment. So there are people that are legitimately perfect, not doing drugs, not fucking like completely all there with it. Just on hard times, those exist, but those are the outliers. I think it's a fair statement to say what the fuck happened to mental institutions. And I know that's like, that's like, and I know that the word mental was it, was it Reagan or Nixon? One of the, one of like the presidents before we were even alive just cut funding federally to all mental institutions. I re- I don't yeah, I don't know who it was. I know that there was a big thing because look, for, there was like a big expo I think Geraldo did a big expose in the 80s or 70s or something 
where he kind of like exposed like how fucking horrific the living situations in these institutions were. And so then people decided, I, I think somebody, I think some leader along the way or Congress or whatever cut funding um, because the general public perception of, you know, these call them fucking loony bins and stuff. And it was a known thing mm-hmm. that like these, these places were terrible and the fucking employees were like raping the people and like not feeding them right, not cleaning up after them. They were living in shitty situations and like, yeah, that all existed. But the solution was what? To just get rid of them. And now all the people that, sorry to say, have no business living unattended on the streets. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not trying to sound like a dick. I'm trying to actually sound like a person who gives a shit, comes off like a dick. But like, we put these people in a position where there is yeah, we nowhere set them up for failure. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. Like, they're not capable. Like, Birdman, remember Birdman? Yeah, dude, he was like, I think we all thought he was a crackhead, and he probably was. But I think mostly he was just like. In the clinical term, I think it was like mentally retarded. I think he was like just like I remember finding like a note that he wrote in an alley once mm-hmm. talking about how he thought he was gonna die. And then I never saw him again. So I think he did die. Mm-hmm. But he like wrote it to like whatever. And I remember because he told me his name once, because I we used to talk to him a lot back in the day. We'd mm-hmm. run into him and shit. It was like Lemuel or something. And he signed it that. So I knew it was from him. And he put it on a rock on a ledge in the alley behind a green turtle in Towson. And I uh, found it, and it was, like, very, like, indistinguishable writing, but you kind of make out, and it was just like, you know, I'm sick, blah, 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 my long-lost love, talking to somebody. I guess he left it there thinking they would find it there. Very sad. Um, but you realize, like, what happens if you're just, like, a mentally handicapped person? We're going to settle on mentally handicapped because I don't know what the word is now. We're going to go with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that if there's no one in your family that wants to t- step up and take care of you, and there's no place that can house you like think about the kids that were in special education class at Towson High School they were allowed to like walk around the school until they're 21 collecting trash Mm -hmm. well I guess after that if they're lucky enough to be at least functioning enough to get like some form of a job Mm -hmm. or if like they they luck out and someone who cares for them or care like whatever like helps them get into low income housing or like this that or the third like that's what the best case scenario is. Mm-hmm. But probably for most situations, they just end up on the fucking street. Yeah. And then and then you see all this happening. And you see from the drug epidemic and and you know, obviously just the just straight up being mentally ill, which a lot of times they go hand in hand. Either one comes before the other or vice versa. But they, they're pretty much right there with each other. And it's like why what else do you do? And like, what, I, I mean, I know again that like these, like, you know, we understand that there was a lot of bad shit going on in these things, but at the same time, if your solution is just to have like fucking tent cities and shit, like there's a guy who fucking has like a whole like tent, like mini fucking like home on the corner down there that you'll, or outside of CVS, like a whole ass couch blocking the sidewalk. And like, look, the fucking, uh, not chill part of me is like so what you just own this sidewalk now mm-hmm. like that one fucking homeless guy in Towson a couple years ago who just took over the bench in Towson and just had all his shit sprawled out the whole corner and you couldn't sit there or even converse there without being and I'm just thinking like 
You just own this corner now? Yeah. I mean, you remember, were you ever at Motorhouse when that one dude, I forget his name, but, you know, he he had some shit going on, but he was, like, pretty good musically, so he would always try to come into the open mics and play music and shit or do comedy, but, like, he legit just lived in the, like, the median in front of Motorhouse. Wow. There's, like, just a bed set up there. Mm-hmm. And there was just like six dudes that would hang out there on the bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you go. I think Shane Gillis had a good bit about this in his in his I don't know how recent it was. Like, I think it was like almost a year or two ago at this point. Whatever stamp special he put out most recently. And uh he was doing it live in Austin and he said, Austin, a lot of homeless people. And he's like, What are you doing about it? And then the crowd was just kind of like, and he's like, because whatever you're doing isn't working like whatever you're doing like switch you know because this isn't working and it's like this is where intentions and results need to be paid attention to because so many people assume that just having the right intentions means that even if those intentions don't lead to the results that you want it's still good because you were doing it from the right place Mm -hmm. and so you have a lot of these cities where like homelessness is like going crazy and they all have these like well-intentioned ideas of how to fix it but it's having the exact opposite effect and the solutions that might work they might look at as bad but it's like well how long do you continue to make the situation worse before you consider just like we talked about confidently incompetent people that don't know what the fuck they're doing but refuse to accept that they might not know they don't know that they don't know all coming back how long do you continue to make shit worse and not allow anyone else who might have the answer to come in and do something different that might make a change and what you have is now you have it seen as like this thing of like oh we're very open and open-minded or whatever to just allow like entire sections of cities to be taken over by homelessness it's like it's not good it's not good for anybody it's not good for them it's not good for the people that are paying to live there it's not good for anybody and so what exactly is it about this situation and we talked about before how like there's entire industries that like if you are running like a non-profit you know our favorite word non-profit because I'm sure nobody makes a profit, right? Uh, and then you know they're they're getting paid by the government. They're getting a, a you know a fucking whatever amount per like lunch bag they make for the homeless or per person they give. And so they're making money. The more people that are coming in and out of those shelters, the more people that are coming in and getting a bag lunch. There's people that are making money, just the same way that the fucking. Uh, you know, all the fucking suboxone and shit, the drug industry goes, oh, hey, here's this drug. And then we give it to everybody, the fucking oxycodone and oxycontin and all that shit. We give it to people, everybody, for anything. Oh, you got a fucking bad knee. Okay, here's this. Oh, you're fucking feeling nervous today. Whatever, here's this. And then you become addicted. And then they go, got just the thing. Another drug's gonna make you get over that drug. Mm-hmm. And so always the solution comes back to whatever the problem was, even if it was the problem that we caused you, conveniently the solution is always something else that we're going to make money off of Mm -hmm. and so you have this perpetual cycle of homelessness where people that are supposedly doing the right thing which a lot of the people on the ground level are good intention people because they're not the ones making money they're the the volunteers that are working these things they want 
a better situation. Yeah. But the people that are or that are really pulling the strings on that, they don't want the homeless situation to go away. They want it to be like that because that's their entire business. Just like we talk about with fucking, you know, if I'm a pizza place, I don't want the whole city to stop ordering pizza. You know, if I'm a fucking homeless shelter, I'm a non-for-profit that works with this, that, the other thing. And then that, those things stop existing. I don't have a business anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's this built-in incentive to to try to, to perpetuate that and keep it going. And I honestly can't think of a better, I mean, like a lot of these people, that's the other thing. A lot of these guys, you don't think about this a lot of times, but like if it's like a fucking cold climate and these guys, a lot of them like, you know, briefly touching back on the fucking subway thing. It's like, I'm not saying this is why he was doing it, but a lot of people will purposefully do something to go to jail just to have like a fucking place to sleep and three meals and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's like there are people that are literally committing crimes just to not sleep in the cold yeah you know and like all that stuff exists and yet i don't really know what the so it just always seems like it's like there's more of the same thing where it's like no if we're gonna have two million people in or whatever the amount of people that are in jail and we're paying for them day in and day out a lot of them non-violent offenders. A lot of them are in there for stupid fucking reasons. Also, a lot of them are in there for great fucking reasons. And should probably be in there longer. Let's just not leave that out too. But there's a lot of people who, you know, that's a fucking system too. That's a fucking money money grab as well. The whole justice system and shit like that. If we can do that. Especially the private prison oh, yeah. system. Yeah. If we can do that, we can certainly say, hey, instead of like putting this guy in jail uh, for whatever, why don't we uh, instead invest that money in house? One million fucking homeless people. And I'll tell you what, the solution also isn't to fucking take over entire buildings from the city and like do like homeless housing where they stay in the buildings and then expect like a lot of these people, unfortunately, it's like they're not equipped to live on their own. You can put them in a luxury apartment and that apartment will fucking become destroyed in a matter of months. And that's just a reality. This idea that like, you know, if we just took all the homeless people and gave them housing, Okay. Okay. Let's take all the fucking homeless people and we'll put them in the middle of uh we'll give them a neighborhood. We'll we'll all give them a fuck fuck it. We'll give everyone a fucking mansion in Roland Park. You think Roland Park's gonna fuck is that is that what they is that all they need fucking needed? They got a fucking you give them a fucking mansion in Roland Park and that lawn's gonna be mowed? No. There's not gonna be fucking it's like it's a ridiculous fucking like even thought that people have that like the the even like with you know on a broader level it's like when people talk about like schools it's like okay so now we're gonna say that like the school is what makes a community okay let's i tell you what old spongebob squarepants saw why don't we just take bikini bottom and move it over there why don't we just take house in high school same teachers same rooms same air conditioning same water same books same everything plop it in the middle of a neighborhood where their school sucks. Trust me. And I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. It's not the school that makes a community. It's a community that makes a school. Towson High School is Towson High School because the people that send their kids there. Mm, I don't know. I've definitely, you know, we've done a lot of videos for schools in the city. And like a good principal can change the entire culture of a school and the community itself. They can change the culture. Okay. I'll 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 walk that back. A I've seen bit. that firsthand. I'll walk it back a little bit. Um, I do still think. Also, 
when I see schools in the city where the principals are like good as fuck and like the school is thriving because of it, it makes me realize how shitty the leadership at Towson High School was. Well, because did did our principal know anyone's name? Did our principal mind, give a fuck awesome. about? Yeah, you're in the office a lot though. Yeah, <laughs> all our principal cared about was getting ahead of the trend that bullying is bad. That's all I remember. What whatever the fuck her name was did. That's literally all I remember she did. Yeah, but but at the same time, it's like look, there were there were bad teachers, there were good teachers at Towson High School. I I liked Miss Beringer, Doctor Beringer, whatever. I didn't have an issue with her. There were I mean, we've talked a ton about all the problems that I had and we had in mm-hmm. school and stuff and the, all the things I thought were wrong with it. But I guess the point that I was trying to make is like, obviously, you know, a community is better off with a good school versus a bad school. But ultimately, um, you know, if you look at Baltimore County, it's a great example because Towson High School is Baltimore County. So is Woodlawn High School. Mm-hmm. Go to Woodlawn High School, go to Towson High School. Where's a better place to get an education? I mean, it's like, it's like they're both getting, they're both run by the same head guys, superintendents, they're both getting the same funding per pupil and everything like that. It's not like people are just like, no, give more shit to Towson, less shit to Woodlawn. It's like, no, that's not what happened. If anything, it's the other way around, honestly. If anything, Woodlawn had the nice fucking turf field and, and Towson High School still has that fucking de- deteriorating fucking track in the back of the school and an old ass fucking building. Like, if anything, it's the reverse at this point. But Towson High School is Towson High School not because of the administration, although I'm not saying that the administration administration yeah. doesn't have an effect. I feel like that's like a backwards way to go about it, though. Like, because yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it doesn't hurt that you know Towson is probably a more well-to-do or whatever area, and it's a lot more family-oriented. Mm-hmm. But you know, that being said, like if if a if a leader if like a good leader gets put in the position in a school like that, everything just trickles down from there. And if they're a good example and they set a good example, like, and I've seen also principals who like teach classes Mm -hmm. like in the city, like they are literal boots on the ground in the schools to show and set a good example for all the other teachers and the students and you know, the community. Yeah. But there's only so much that a person can do from that position. Like you can't, if you're a principal at a school, there's only so much influence you can have over the kid's life when he's spending the majority of his day at home. And if that, if he's, if he or she is in a household that is not valuing education or even if they are, but they live in a neighborhood that like, it's fucking like, you know, like there's so many different factors that go into play that it's like, it's hard for me to go like, oh yeah, like the biggest thing is the school versus the community surrounding the school. Like, because even if you do have kids that really want to learn, which you do, there's plenty of kids that really want to learn and really want to get an education. They're going into an environment where they're surrounded by mostly a a, a situation in their home life or with the people around. Even if their home is strong, they live in a community where it's not a valued thing. And then it's like, it all all trickles down. And I think the biggest thing, I I guess my, my point is, is that, I do believe that if the, if it came down to like, does the school make the community? Does the community make the school? I definitely lean towards the community makes the school. I think that's the reason why you could go to different parts of Baltimore County, which is the same school system, and see that certain schools fare better than other schools. Because at the end of the day, even though I didn't do my fucking homework and I didn't whatever, I still went to a school where like the vast majority of kids that were there came from a family that like their parents were like, no, dude, you're gonna not 
fucking you're gonna fucking do this. You're gonna get good grades. They're involved in the education process. They're making sure they're doing their homework. They're making sure the curriculum is this, that, the other third. They're making sure that stuff is in proper working order. They're calling people out when they're doing something wrong. And that keeps the school up to the level it needs to be because the parents are holding it to that expectation. If you don't have that, then it just allows for the same shitty administrators to go in because there's shitty administrators everywhere that just fucking take the paycheck and just fucking run the place in the ground, do the bare minimum to get by. And when you, when you combine that with the fact that in the home life, nobody is pushing them on that end, then it's just this like fucking perpetual cycle of just like going downhill because the, they're not there's nothing in their in their outside of school life that's pushing them and there's nothing in their in school life to push them and then you have those golden situations where you have those like star principles that really try to make a difference but unfortunately i i i mean like i know you've had that experience and i you know i i think we've been on a couple shoots and it's a cool thing um but i really feel like at a certain point if that's the extent if the extent stops at like just like oh we're going to change this school but nothing else surrounding every all the other billions of things that surround how a kid grows up and how he gets his education, then it's almost it's like it's almost like a dead end at a certain point. And it's only a matter of time until it until it gets corrupted and deteriorated, because if it's all lynched on this one fucking awesome guy, then there's a matter of time. And what happens when that guy retires? What happens when, you know, more people come in there that aren't really trying to do their job and just trying to do the bare minimum, just like in any place you work where most people are just like, I just want to get paid, whatever. I guess my point is, is like when I bring it back to the homeless thing, it's like there's certain things where it's like most things in life come from, I would say everything in life comes from the inside. And I think that like anything in my life, for instance, I look at it and go, okay, the reason this is happening is because of something I'm doing wrong, you know? And I think that so much of like, you know, it's like there's this idea that like stuff just is good or stuff just is bad but there's a very not much of a, a a concept of like no things are good or are bad because there's people keeping them good or keeping them bad if you could buy the best fucking car off the lot brand new two hundred thousand dollar bugatti whatever i don't know dick about cars but whatever and drive it around and it's awesome but at a certain point after five thousand miles if you're not changing the oil if you're not getting the tires rotated if you're not maintaining it if you're not washing it, if you're not cleaning it it's only a matter of time you could take the greatest thing in the world but if you don't have an understanding of things just like for like countries cities cars homes neighborhoods they're not just magically bad or good if you go to a to a nice neighborhood you can bet your ass you can bet your fucking ass when you walk around down the street that neighborhood's nice, not because the fucking city's coming in and mowing people's lawns and picking up trash off the streets. It's because when you see somebody walking down the street and finish a fucking bottle of Sprite, and ain't getting thrown on the ground, mm-hmm. and they're mowing their fucking lawn, and it ain't because fucking the mayor's sending people to clean up after them, but not after other people. It's like so much of what you see around you, there's this idea that it's just like, oh, that just is nice, or that just is, is shitty. It's like, no, like people make things shitty. People make things nice. And if you're not going to fix that, then you can give somebody the best fucking thing in the world. So going back to the homeless thing, it's like why I use the example of moving the homeless people. It's like it's like we're we're going about this from this idea that like all these homeless people are on the street and all they need is like if we could just give them like a place to stay. And it's like, I'm sorry, as nice as that would be. It's not the solution as far as I can see it. 
because so many of these people are not fit to live independently. Mm -hmm. That's why they're there in the first place, you know? So maybe the solution isn't just, well, whatever, let them have the fuck. It's like, you know, I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I just like, I, I, all I'm saying is like intentions, you know, sometimes I guess what I'm getting at is like, sometimes some of the solutions you have to run the risk of sounding a little bit like a dick. And I know it's like a, it's more, it's a safer thing to say. It's a more comfortable thing to say or to suggest that, um, you know, it's ever, it's all the surrounding circumstances. And if we just fix those and this, would be, but sometimes that's not the answer. Sometimes just like I talk about the kid in church, it's like, you know, maybe the worst thing that people are doing for this kid who doesn't know that he's like not conducting himself properly is to shy away from being like, Hey dude, I just want to let you know that this is a thing that you're doing and you've probably experienced that maybe you're not getting the job or you're, maybe you're not getting the, re the reaction from police when you talk to them or something like that or whatever it might be. And there are things that you can fix and things changes you can make that people think it's a better thing to just let it happen when ultimately it's like, no, if anything, you're doing them a favor by, by letting them know, you know, or, or putting the onus on them. When you take someone's, when you take away, it's a very comfortable thing to, and it's why people fall into it. It's why so much of, you know, we talk about anxiety and depression and shit and all that stuff and like whatever. It's a very comforting thing to be told or to feel like the things in your life are out of your control because when that's the mentality that you take, then the blame is off of you. But when you take the blame off yourself, when you take the power away from yourself, you've also taken, the, when you take the responsibility for your own life out of your own hands, you've also taken the power to make it better out of your own hands. Mm -hmm. It's a double-edged sword. So it's not in the immediate moment, just like they have the old saying, Give a, give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a man to fish, he eats for life. It's a good feeling and a well-intentioned thing in the moment to treat these situations as if it's, it's all something outside of somebody's control. But until there's a level of understanding, like, no, dude, some things are just the way they fucking are and they need to be addressed. But again, that's more uncomfortable. And I feel like, again, that's where the intentions lead to worse things. So, I don't know. So much for not talking about homelessness and <laughs> well, everything. Hey, we didn't talk about the chokehold once. Yeah, true. That see, what we just talked about was perennial news. We could talk about that probably forever. Yeah, and the great time, thing about this day. homelessness conversation, it'll age like fine wine, baby. It's only yeah. be more relevant yeah, next no week. No one's gonna fix it. Yeah, no one. Um, yeah. Other than that, I didn't really have much. Uh, Do you have anything? Nah, I'm getting hungry. I'm trying to go eat dinner. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, in that case, folks, um, thank you for tuning in. One last shout out to Rodos before we set our sights on next year. Yeah, and shout um, out to everyone who came out that day. Yeah, absolutely. It was a good ass time. Um, any plugs? Um, I just got the date for that show in Virginia, but I forget. Do you know Maybe like August 11th, maybe? July 11th? Yeah. Hot set in uh arlington virginia nice keep an eye out for that i'll probably post about it coming soon um other than that just follow me at eric glazer on everything oh yeah um music wise folks keep 
pressing that play button on backtrack, save it. Um, I think the I think the save ratio is a big thing on Spotify. I think a lot of the algorithm is pushed by how many what percentage of people save the song versus how many people listen to it. So, you know, if you listen to it and you like it, save it. I don't even know. I don't use Spotify. I don't know what saving does. I'm assuming it like adds it to some thing. I don't know. But just do it, I guess. Probably help a lot if I understood anything about mm-hmm. Spotify. But I do know that. So do that. Um, as far as live shit, um, every Tuesday at Perennial in Towson, I'm there from 5 to 8.30. Uh, that'll be the 16th if you're listening today. Um, Thursday, May 18th, I'll be at Brews and Barrels in Gaithersburg in the Kentlands, the world famous Kentlands. They love it down there. They love the Kentlands in the Kentlands and so do I. I'll be at Brews and Barrels Thursday, May 18th from 7 to 9. Uh, big weekend for the band, baby. Uh, we will be at CNR in Towson for our biennial gig there or biannual we play that about twice a year and so we'll be there this friday may 19th at cnr in towson the full band 9 to 1 a.m and then saturday may 20th uh the band will be in port covington at the sagamore spirit uh distillery right on the water down uh port covington is like in the fed hill locust pointish area downtownish. Yeah, they have like a new name for that area. I forget what it's called, though. I thought it is. I thought Port Covington is a new name, unless it's nah, not. No, they changed it. Because they also, they're not even moving to Port Covington anymore. Oh. Cause I th- or maybe Sagamore is, but I remember Under Armour was going to move their headquarters to Port Covington, and they like totally switched it up. Hmm. Well, uh, it's, at, <laughs> it's at the Sagamore Spirit Distillery in parts unknown. We don't know what it's called, but it's at the intersection of fucking... Uh, it's like by Key Highway and shit. I don't know. Just look it up. Look it up. You'll find it. Um, that's Figured 1 to 5 out. p.m. Uh, it's also Preakness, so that's cool. Um, and then Sunday, May 21st, I'll be at Nacho Mama's in Towson from 1 to 4 p.m. Little post-brunch extravaganza there uh so busy weekend at sophomore md three o's uh to follow all the band goings on at jimmy seleski to follow all the man goings on at eric glazer yes sir a before e except after g l l (laughs) (laughs) um to follow all the comedy happenings and of course LFTS podcast across the board if you want to be anywhere close to figuring out the universe. Until next week, folks. Peace. Peace.